If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me this morning uh, over to the book of John, John chapter 20, John chapter 20. This morning I want to preach uh, the message, the second part of this message on getting a faith lift. Um, John chapter 20, and we'll go down to verse 24. Read down through to verse 29 once again, just to give you a little bit of background. If you were not here last week, uh, I'll cover just a little bit of what we talked about and then move forward in this message. But in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29, the Bible says, Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hand. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Just by way of introduction, I'll just go a little bit. Last week we talked about the first part of this, the first element of getting a faith lift was to recognize and to understand the tragedy of faithlessness or unbelief. And in order for our faith to be lifted, we have to recognize some of the signs and some of the things that occur when we are faithless, when we just can't seem to believe, when there doesn't seem to be any faith operating in our lives, changes need to be made. I, I talked to you about how unbelief robs you of the blessings that God has in store for the believer and for those who would believe. Unbelief can rob the sinner of the most wonderful experience that they could ever have and that is the gift of salvation. Unbelief robs you of so much. A faithless heart has the misconception of what faith really is. It says, unless I can see it, I won't believe it. A faithless heart destroys the effectiveness of power of the Word of God in your life. The Word of God has no effect or is of ill effect. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, it tells us, that the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. The Word of God is powerful. It is sharp. It is effective. It, it does things that nothing else can do, but it can only do that in the heart that believes in the message. Unbelief destroys rest. You know that God desires for you and I to have rest in Him. And unbelief destroys that. And unbelief, the tragedy of it, it does one final thing, is that it blinds us to what God has already done and will do for us. 
people of Israel, as they passed through the Red Sea, they saw what God did. They saw how God brought them out of Egypt. And then when they got to the other side, they not only had a hard time grabbing on to the fact that the promised land had everything that they needed, that they had a God who watched over them, who delivered them, who helped them. It blinded them to where they had been and how God had brought them this far that God was able to take them the rest of the way. Brothers and sisters, if we are not careful, unbelief will bring about a great tragedy in our lives. But I don't want to stay there today. I want us to move forward in some of this and to realize there are two final things that we need to talk about in this. And it's not just the tragedy of faithlessness, but we need to talk about the testing of faith. And we need to talk about the triumph of faith. The verse, verse I want you to just, I want to draw your attention to is verse, is verse 29. And we're going to deal with first the testing of our faith. Something that I know most of us have a hard time grappling with and understanding that if I have faith, it has to be tested. It's not a moment for you to jump into the unbelief tank. It is a moment for you to recognize that God has to test your faith. Verse 29 of John 20 says, Then Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You need to know today that your faith is absolutely going to be tested. There is, if you profess to know Jesus Christ, you profess to have Him as your Savior, and you profess to be a believer in Jesus, then your faith will be tested. There is no doubt about it. It is one of those things that you have to recognize and understand that you will be tested. There is no neutral ground on the issue of faith. You must be tested. And the question is, why? What importance? What is the importance of testing? You and I live in a day where we love to avoid pain and discomfort at all costs. I know I do. Trust me. If I can do without pain, I will do without it. I'm not interested in having any kind of pain. And yet there are times in our lives where the pain is not necessarily physical, but the pain is spiritual. It is emotional. It is financial. It is whatever the, the situation is in your life. There are things that come your way. And it tests what you are made of. It tests your faith in God. Are you going to believe that God is a provider? Are you going to believe that God is a healer? Are you going to believe that God is watching over you? Are you going to believe that God is everywhere present? Are you going to believe that He is all wise, that He knows better about your situation than you know about your situation? Are you going to believe in a God who will always be there for you? Testing has to come. We want the life of ease, most of us do, but as believers we have to know that we will be tested in everything that we are as believers. As Christians, your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ is going to be tested. In fact, I believe we are living in a time right now where faith, the faith of the Christian, the faith of the believer is going to be tested in a greater way in this country. In fact, I believe that it already is. 
somebody, and I saw the headline, I didn't have time to read it or to look at, I don't know if it was a video or if it was what it was, but it simply said that there is now in this country an open warfare on Christians. Brothers and sisters, if you know Jesus, you've got to know that not only is your faith going to be tested internally, spiritually, through the daily struggles and the battles of life, but also there is an onslaught of the enemy that is trying to come at you and throw you off course and make you give up on your faith. I want to tell you today that the testing of your faith, if you will stand your ground, you will come through pure as gold. God does not have failure in store for you. He has victory in store for you if you will stand your ground. Looking back at our test or our text, we see that Thomas was given a test. He wasn't present when Jesus showed up and talk to the other disciples for the first time. For Thomas, for him, here is the first part of his test. It was a test to believe, though he didn't see. Verse 29 tells us that very thing. Jesus said, blessed are those who, have, who believe, though they have not seen. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the test for us is to have faith in God though we don't see the fulfillment of the promise. The disciples all tried to convince Thomas, we have seen the Lord. He is alive. He is not dead. He is alive. We proclaim it. We say it. And all ten of these guys are saying, listen, we've seen, I assume all ten, maybe even more than that, those who follow Jesus, we have seen Jesus. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. Brothers and sisters, the great test for us as believers is to believe though we have not seen. It could be that in your heart God has promised something, but you don't see the fulfillment of it. It could be that God has promised in your life that He would do something for you and in you, and maybe you haven't seen the fulfillment of it yet. And somewhere along the way, the temptation is, well, you know what? I don't see it, therefore it's not going to happen. That, brothers and sisters, is no indication of anything. You have got to believe. You've got to trust. Because it's in the moment where you don't see that it will happen, that it will come, that God will come through for you, that He will provide for you, that He will help you, that He will minister healing to your body, that He will strengthen you in the hour that you cannot seem to grab onto it. Don't wait for Jesus to prove Himself in the circumstances before you believe in His power and His ability to help you. Some people, I, I remember this one person used to come every now and then. I remember once, one, one time she said to me, she said, you know, I really, I want God to do this so that I can prove to my family and my friends and I can show them what God has done. And I had to uh, finally at one point say, do you know, God has already done so much for you. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, the fact that He has raised, been raised from the dead for your justification, God has already done great and wonderful things. You've got something that you can show that will prove 
that you are saved. You are filled with his power. That he's done great things. No, no, no. i, I got to show this thing and that thing. And this has to fall into place before I can testify of the greatness of God. No, brothers and sisters, as I see what Jesus is trying to convey to his disciples is that you've got to believe though you don't see it. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Peter writes later on in his life. You can turn over there if you like. First Peter chapter 1. Verses. Well we're not going to read all of these verses. Verses 3 through 9. But we're just going to highlight three verses. Verses 6 through 8. He probably no doubt remembered these words of Jesus. When he wrote these words. First Peter chapter 1. And starting at verse 6. And we'll read down through to verse 8. The Bible says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed, listen to what he says. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Brothers and sisters, Peter writes, and I, I got to imagine that Peter is calling to mind the lesson that he heard from Jesus at that moment as Jesus spoke to Thomas, but then really was essentially addressing everybody in the room in that moment as he spoke to him. And he says those words of, of you've got to believe though you do not see. Then Peter is saying, you've never seen Jesus, but you believe in him. You've never heard him, but you trust in him. He's not here in the moment physically, but you trust in his help and in his hope. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today, you've got to pass the test that though you don't see him physically, he is here. He is with you in your situation. There is another part of this. Before you think the other disciples received some kind of special treatment, they're, you know, they, they all had the, the same lesson taught to them in that situation. The Bible says this, and this is another part of Thomas's test, that it was a week later. Not only, you know, Jesus appears to the disciples, and it seems as though shortly after that, they're conveying this message to Thomas. We've seen Jesus. You know, one day goes by, Thomas is looking around, no Jesus. Another day goes by, maybe Thomas is looking around, no Jesus. Another day and another day. And after a while, he's probably thinking to himself, this is crazy. They're all saying they saw him, but I didn't see him, and I don't see him anywhere around here. There's, there's something strange that's going on. Maybe these disciples are out to get me or something. They're toying with me. They're joking with me. This is a cruel, harsh joke that they're playing on me. Something's going on. The Bible says it was a week later. He had to wait. Not only did he hear the message, Jesus was alive and didn't believe it, but then he had to hear, he had to wait an entire week thinking, is he or isn't he? Is he or isn't he? 
And it goes on and time goes on. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we have to wait for the the promise to come. We have to wait for the situation to change. And it takes time. And we sit there and we say, I don't believe God is ever going to do it. I don't believe He's going to minister in my situation. Because look how long it's been. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, there are times where we have to simply say, God, it is in your timing. It is in your time. You may think that you've got to have it now. And I may think I've got to have it now. But I want you to know that God has a timing in store for us. We don't like to submit to it. We have a hard time with it. We get frustrated by it. We get uh, uh, unsettled by it. But I want you to know that God is not unsettled by anything that is happening in your life. God sees the end from the beginning. And He knows how to take care of you. He knows how the situation is going. He knows what you can handle. And i got to tell you, you may think, well, I can't take it anymore. I can't handle it anymore. But God knows best what you're made of. And He is trying to to test your faith and trust in Him. There are many examples in the Old Testament. I'll just briefly mention a couple of them. You remember Joseph. Joseph in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, was sold into slavery by his brothers. His father was told that he was dead, torn apart by lions. They, they staged this whole thing with goat's blood and and ripped his his coat of many colors and handed it back to their father and watched their father grieve the loss and the death of a son who was still alive. Then to top it all off, gets down into Egypt, is falsely accused of a sexual assault, is thrown into prison, and then right when he thinks that maybe he has a way out by by talking to the butler and the baker, all of a sudden now the the baker is taken away and he's all the way and, you know, it's it's lights out for him. But the butler, he's restored back into Pharaoh. He said, listen, you're going to be restored. Now remember me. Remember me when you are restored. Remember me to Pharaoh. Butler forgets all about him. He wastes away in prison. And that entire time, do you know that Joseph never had one of the encounters like what his grandfather did or like what his father did? He never had an encounter like what his great-grandfather Abraham had had. He never had an encounter with God that was, was visible or audible or anything like that. We don't read anything about it. In one-third of the book of Genesis, we read nothing about that encounter. Nothing. And yet he remained faithful. He trusted in God. He believed in God. And all of a sudden, one day, the butler remembered what happened as Pharaoh's plagued with this, this idea of these, these dreams that he had. And he says, oh, I, I forgot all about this guy. This guy can tell you what the dream is about, what it means, and the whole thing. And Joseph, we know, is restored back to that place. All that time, Joseph's sitting there, wasting away. And Joseph hadn't done anything wrong, folks. God was not out to get Joseph. God was not out trying to, well, we think bad things are happening to us. So clearly, God is dealing with sin in my life. That's not always the thing. Sometimes it is a test of whether or not we're going to trust in a God who sees what's going on and He has a timing involved and a timing that is right. The three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace. They expected death. And instead, there was someone who was walking in the midst with them. 
in the midst of that fire, in the midst of that fiery furnace. They didn't have an audible voice from heaven say to them, now listen, I'm going to take care of you in the fire. Don't you worry about it. No, but instead what they did is they declared in their faith about God and to God, they declared to that king, they said, you know what, O king, we don't even need to give you an answer in this, but I want you to know that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to your idols. That's faith, folks. That is faith. And what happened? We know the story. They were thrown in. And all of a sudden there was, as Nebuchadnezzar looked, and he said, wait a minute, I, 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 we threw three men in there. But it looks like there are four men walking around in the fire. And they're walking around. They shouldn't be walking. God brought them through. But not once beforehand did God show up and show them exactly what was going to happen. Let me plan it all out and give it all. Didn't do that for Joseph. Didn't do that for them. But instead, God was with them in the midst of the silence. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, we've got to know that we've got to have patience in the midst of our testing. We've got to believe that God is in the middle of this situation. Your job, you catch the heat from your coworkers, maybe about your faith, or maybe about something else, or maybe it's difficult day, a, a difficult day or a difficult week, and you don't know how much more you can take. We've got to trust in a God who knows what's going on. Maybe in your family, you've got unsaved loved ones and family members that you've been praying for and believing God for, and every now and then they just kind of, you know, put a little jab in about your trust and your faith and your belief and how crazy it sounds and all of those things, but you've got to believe that God will help you and you stand true in the test of your faith. In hopeless circumstances, stand true in the test of your faith because you've got a God who's walking with you. You've got a God who hasn't bailed out on you. I don't know if anybody's hearing me today. You've got a God who is always there, who doesn't miss a beat, and He knows exactly how to help you in your situation. It was a test of patience for him. It was a test of obedience. Whether or not we can obey as God's children, we will be tested in the area of obedience. God tested Abraham in this area. God tested Noah. He gave him the instructions to the ark and said, go build it. Nobody ever heard of an ark. He didn't live near a giant body of water. Nothing like that. There's this ark being built in the middle of the desert. Everybody, you know, I don't know if they took tours out to see Noah. You know, let's go see the crazy old coot out there who's just, you know, who's building this ridiculous thing. It's a boat. What's a boat? What's an ark? We don't know what that is. And, and he's out there and he's building it because God is going to flood the earth. Ah, flood the earth. We haven't seen rain in forever. What are you talking about, Noah? There's no rain. It's not going to flood. Look at this. We live in a desert. Nothing floods over here. But sure, as, as, as the word came, Noah endured the hardship. He endured all of those things. The Bible says about him that he was a preacher of righteousness. So while he's hammering the, the nails or whatever it was, and he's applying the pitch to make it you know, bond together, but also waterproof while he's doing all of those things, he's preaching to people as they're coming out to be saved from the wrath to come. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that God gave him a test of obedience. He obeyed and as a result was saved by it we have the word of God to help us 
They obeyed God's word. And if we will obey the word of the Lord, the test of faith will come through. Now I want to get us to the triumph of faith. Many times we have the idea that the triumph or answer to that for which we have been believing is some dramatic, outstanding circumstance. But all faith needs is for you to act on the Word, the Word of God, for it to come to that triumphant moment in your problem or your difficult situation. Triumphant faith is that which holds on to the end. Listen to what the Bible... Turn over to the book of Hebrews, if you would. The book of Hebrews... And we're going to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. The Bible says this. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence, how? To the very end, in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Notice this, to show the same diligence to the very end. The triumph of faith comes when you see that for which you have been praying and believing for so long. But the key is simply this. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. The very end. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know today that the triumph of faith is for you to stand your ground. The triumph of faith, your faith, begins when you say, I will not bow to the enemy. I won't bow to the discouragement. I won't bow to the frustration. I won't bow to all of those things. But I will be diligent to the very end. The very end of what? Well, the very end of your life or the very end of that trial, you get to the end of that trial, there will be another one in store for you at some point along the way. So be diligent all the way through, whether it's this trial or the next one, all the way through to the end of your life. The best way I know to close out this message is to show you some of the greatest examples of those who are triumphant in faith. And we can learn from their examples. You're in the book of Hebrews. Go to chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and I want to read from verse 30 down through to verse 40. And I want you to see some of these great examples of triumphant faith. These powerful examples of what God can do in and through men and women who will trust, who will believe Him, who will hold on to Him no matter what the situation is or how bad it may be. Listen to what the Bible says starting at verse 30. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, 
Quench the fury of the flames and escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others, still others, were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They, were, uh, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, there is a whole host, a company of those who believed, who had tenacious faith. They had stubborn faith. It didn't die in their own lives when their own lives were on the line. It didn't die when the little bit of discouragement set in. It didn't die when the problems came and the troubles came to them. It didn't die inside of them. Instead, it became more stubborn and more tenacious. It became more powerful. They had triumphant faith. They stood their ground in the face of opposition and said, we will do what God wants us to do. We will not back away from our faith and from what it is that we believe and know is right before God. We refuse to do that. You see, part of the book of Hebrews is the truth that there were those that the writer was writing to who were being tempted to be drawn back into Judaism after making their way out to a life of grace in Christ and in, in faith in Jesus Christ. They were now being tempted because you know what? When you, you come out of Judaism, you are cut off from your family. You are cut off from those that are around you. You are cut off from anything that you might have, an inheritance in the family, anything that might be coming to you. You are cut off from that. As a believer, you are on your own. And it was more powerful back then. And it was more difficult. It was a great persecution. And yet the writer is saying, I want you to know that all of these that I have just written to you about, they are men and women who stood their ground in the face of great persecution. They trusted. They believed. And as a result, they have triumphant faith. You and I have triumphant faith. I don't know if they're cheering us on today, but the Bible does say it seems in the next verse of Scripture that we didn't read in chapter 12 and verse 1, it lets us know that because we have such a great cloud of witnesses, I don't know if it's those who are in the stands, as it were, cheering us on, saying you can go, you can make it, you can stand your ground, you don't have to be discouraged, you don't have to give up, you don't have to give in when the enemy comes in and tries to bring you down. You can stand your ground and have faith and know that there is a God in heaven who will take care of you. You be strong in the faith and you will have triumphant faith. Our only hope, brothers and sisters, for a victorious, lifelong struggle is to know that we have believed in Him. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy. 
he says these words in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. He says, that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Listen to how he says it. I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. I'm not trusting in a man. I'm not trusting in something that somebody else can do for me. We are trusting in a God who is greater than your struggle, greater than your problem, greater than your difficulty. We've got a God in heaven who is on our side. You may feel that your faith is down here. Can we get a faith lift today and know that we've got triumphant faith in Him? Not because of our problem or our circumstance or our dependence on other people, but because of our dependence on a God who cares about us infinitely more than we could ever imagine. Remember the keys to getting a faith lift is to recognize the tragedy of faithlessness. It is to understand that there will be a testing of our faith. And then finally, to know that faith will always triumph. If we can stand our ground, And you know, the great thing about faith is this, and some people in the world mock it because they say, well, it's blind faith. You know, you're trusting in something that you don't see. I understand their point. To a point, we do trust in a God that we cannot see physically. The Bible tells us about God in the sense that it says, and it reveals that God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But nonetheless, there was a physical Jesus, who came to this world, say, well, you don't see him either. You're right. We don't. But here's what we do see. We do see his word. We see it is revealed to us through the word of God and through this Bible. We don't trust in nothing. We're not making this up. This is something that God, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the writers have penned for us. God directed that writing so that we would know His will. We would know His promises. This isn't blind faith. This is trust in what God has shown to us. This is trust in what God has already revealed in His Word. You say, well, I reject it as His Word. Then you can reject it all the way you want. You can reject it right into eternity. But I I want you to know it doesn't change what is written. It doesn't change anything about the Word of God. We've got the Word we can go to. We've get His promises we can trust in. We can have triumphant faith because we are not believing in a God who is dead, but a God who is seen to be alive by over 500 people after Jesus was raised from the dead. I want you to know that that speaks volumes of what God is able to do, not just then, but today, because He is the same God. What are you dealing with today? What are you going through? I want to invite us to stand together right now. And I want to invite anybody to this altar right now who knows in your heart and in your mind that you need God to do something in your life. Maybe it is to help bolster your faith. You might be struggling today. You might be finding that it is so difficult to believe in the face of your circumstances. But come right now, just come. Listen, this isn't isn't for the strong. This is for the weak. 
This is for all of us today. You might feel weak in your heart and in your spirit today, but just come right now and let's believe God for His grace. Those who are just remaining out there, come and stand with these that are here that we might support them and encourage them in the faith. Come right now. Just come and stand with them. If you're not coming to be prayed for or prayed with, then you come and pray with. And let's believe God for His grace and for His power today. Let's thank God for all that He has done and all that He's going to do. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, thank You, Lord. I thank You today for Your power. I thank You for Your grace, oh God. Lord God, there is nothing that You cannot do for Your people. I pray, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus for those that have come to this altar right now, O oh God, for strength in their lives, strength in their spirits today. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that they would have faith to believe for the impossible. God, we ask right now for your power and your glory to be revealed in our lives. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus for your hand to be upon us. God, we thank you for your grace. I thank you for your power, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we honor your name today, Lord. I pray for God, for your, for your faith to fill their hearts and their minds. We pray, oh God, that you would give strength, that you would give encouragement. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would lift their faith to believe for the impossible today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, oh God. There is nothing too hard for you, nothing that you cannot do today. God, I ask in the name of Jesus for your hand to be upon them, O oh God. By the mighty power of the Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord Jesus, O oh God. I pray right now that you would lift them up. God, that you would give them the faith to believe that no matter what they're feeling, no matter what the circumstance is, you, O oh God, have created them for greater things. You have made them, O oh God, for more. In the name of Jesus, God, I thank you. You are able, O oh God. You're able to do great and mighty things. Lord, we thank you today. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you, O oh God. You are a great God. You're a mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Lord, God, lift our faith today. Lord, not only those who came to this altar, but everybody in this room, oh God. Everybody in this room, Lord. We will be tested on our faith. We will be tested, oh God. I pray that you would help us to stand in triumph. Oh God, in triumphant belief, in triumphant faith. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today for your word. Thank you, Lord. That, Lord God, you had mercy. You had mercy on those disciples. You had mercy on Thomas. You had mercy on so many who found it hard to believe. God, I pray that you would help us, oh God. Lord, increase our faith today. May we be men and women who would believe for the impossible. In the mighty name of Jesus. God, I glorify your name. We thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah to you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, you are able. You are able, O oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, Lord, you are worthy. I thank you, Lord. Your word is true. And we will trust in you, O God. Hallelujah, Lord. We love you today. We thank you, Lord, for your peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. That is going to guard our hearts and our minds. Lord, we bless your name today. And God, we give you the praise, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Turn and greet one another today before you leave this building. So good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Encourage you to come back Tuesday night to call on the name of the Lord.